Hey, y'all, you're listening to the Mother Far From Home podcast with me, your host, Rachel Norman. If you desperately need a common sense, down-to-earth perspective on how to mother well without losing it, living in constant stress, or needing to escape your life, you have come to the right place. Hello, Mama. Welcome back to my three-part series. This is the third part in the series. The first part where I'm talking about my journey as a mom, my journey of growth, I guess, as a mom, learning skills, not knowing how to do kind of the skills of living well as a mom, I guess. You know, I didn't know a lot of them. And then this is sort of the path that I took to learn them. And the first part that I did was routines. Um, And you can find that episode. The second part I talked about was focusing on my children's behavior, discipline, how to make them feel loved and, you know, make sure I was meeting their needs. And then at the end of that part, I talked about how, you know, we had our good routines down and they were working and I felt like I knew how to emotionally support my kids and discipline in a way that I felt good about and that seemed to be effective momentarily in the moment and seemed longer term to have, you know, whatever, hopefully good results um, based on, I don't know, tradition, common sense, research, all that. But I still didn't feel, I still lived in Trigger Town. I still was, you know, I knew what I needed to do in the moment and I could do it, but it was like I had all these feelings. I felt like I was constantly at war with my feelings in a way, trying to get them to go away so I could cope. And that led me to the third part of my journey, which was basically about me. So outside of my book, If Mama Ain't Happy, where you can get anywhere books, you know, where anywhere you get books, I don't really talk much about my story per se. Like I give examples, you know, in my emails and things, but I don't talk a lot about um, that. But this is really where my parenting journey, I began to get strong breakthroughs. And, And when I say breakthrough, maybe I need to say what I mean by that. When I mean, when I say breakthrough, I mean, it's like something happens that affects a bunch of other things. So it's kind of like, you know, if, if you have a tree that is just producing a bunch of dead fruit and you just pull the whole tree out by the root and now you don't have to deal with any of that. That's like what I mean by breakthrough. It's like one thing or it's a domino that pushes down all the others it, it, it's like if, if I'm, instead of just getting triggered and dealing with it and getting triggered and coping and getting triggered and coping, it's like I have a breakthrough and now I'm not triggered, you know? So it's like a deep type of healing or change that happens. And I, that is, now I do have a personality that's, okay, how should I say this? We don't all have the same personality, right? So my personality is one that I don't want to, I don't even want to I don't even want to cope. I don't even want to try to do a coping mechanism. In my mind, I'm just like, if I'm suffering, I'm going to keep suffering until I get a breakthrough. Like, I just want to go straight for the root, you know? I'm like, okay, this happened because that, because that, because that, dig, 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 dig. I want to get straight through it, right? I don't want to play whack-a-mole, as they say, you know, that game where the things are just popping up all over and you're having to smack them over and over again as they pop up. Like, I don't want to do that. I want to just pull the whole thing out, right? So in this episode, I want to talk, that is my personality. Not everybody wants to go gung-ho like that, right? And that's fine. You don't have to, to have the breakthroughs. But having the focus of, it is important that we shift our mindset from 
How do I cope with this? To let me get to the bottom of this and see if there's not a deep, big thing that can change that will mean I don't have to cope anymore because I don't feel like there's anything happening to cope with. I think that even no matter what our personalities are, it's important that we all have that type of mentality because that is what will help you stop just repeating things over and over again, dealing with the same crap over and over again, the same behaviors, your own feeling, you know, when you can just get rid of them, right? So I'm going to talk about in this podcast episode, some things that really helped me to have a deep change within. And the first one was, you know, when I wrote a whole book about this, surprise, surprise, it was learning about boundaries. So I think I actually just didn't have any concept of what they actually were. So, and I think this is fairly normal because I know different generations are, you know, have different versions of what's happening. And maybe our parents' generation had a more, um, a focus on duty, which would mean, uh, you know, focusing on others, maybe even at the expense of yourself. Maybe not. All families are different, but I know, I mean, I don't know that I know a single person, uh, friend, peer friend that automatically just had boundaries. I feel like everybody had to learn it. So it might just be a part of personal growth. I don't even know. But I, what, for me, I knew that my kids needed them. It was very, I mean, I'm a country girl, right? We don't just let our kids run around. Do I mean, like, okay, I, I knew my kids needed them. And I knew that they needed to have healthy limits. But even, and, and I was willing to do it, even despite all my feelings. But I always had these feelings because I just thought, ugh, I'm being mean. It was just this feeling like if I make my kids stop something or make them start something they don't want to do, I am mean. And so even though I would think, I know they need to do this thing, I'm going to make them, right? I'm going to ignore my feelings and or I'm going to take my feelings into account, but push through anyway. I'm going to make them do it. But I always had this feeling like it was mean. And it kind of put me at odds with myself a little bit because it was like, I know they need to do this. I know this isn't mean, but yet I feel like it's mean. So I felt divided inside. And it was very difficult because I was like, shut up, feelings, shut up. This isn't mean. But you know, that that part that was like, this is mean was coming from somewhere. And, and it was like, I had to get down and unearth and unroot that so that I could just be neutral. And then a situation would happen and I'll be like, nope, got to stop that. And I didn't feel heavy. I went from feeling like it was mean to not feeling like it was mean at all. Like, mom, can we do this? Nope, not today. It, I felt nothing, just totally neutral. Let's pick another day we can do that. What about next week? Okay, good. All right. Like I didn't have these like, <gasps> you know, like icky sludgy molasses type feelings. Um, but But once I had the breakthrough, I didn't. Another, and that that made a huge difference in my day-to-day mom life, or I like to say boundaries, live boundaries, boundaries on the go. It's easy for us to think, I don't want my kids to hit. That is my boundary. But whenever we're talking about things that happen in the moment we've never thought of before, it is a process and you have to learn the skill of going back to yourself and saying, am I okay with this or not? And it's something that I had to learn. So another thing that I needed to have a breakthrough in was that I was always worried I was causing my kids to suffer. Like I always thought, okay, if they're sad, they're suffering. If they're not happy, they are suffering. Like as though, as though this, you know, life I had really worked so hard to create is loving and peaceful and nurturing and supportive and all this that by not, I don't know, giving them another brownie or something 
they were said it was suffering. And none of us want to feel like our kids suffer. I mean, like, for goodness sake, this is a real trigger. So it it felt like, and, and for other kids, it'll be different things. But, you know, kids, and I'm not saying they're like evil masterminds. It's not what I mean. I just mean kid, we intuitively know we, it is it is how humans work that we do what works for us. So it was like my kids could know they could they didn't they knew I was not okay if they were sad or suffering. And so that was kind of a way they could try to get what they wanted was by being sad or really seeming, you know, and because I couldn't see the difference and because I was so triggered worrying I was causing them to suffer, it was like I would kind of freeze a little bit or my heart would start beating. I'd go into fight or flight. I'd be like, oh my goodness. You know, like it's not, no, this isn't suffering. This is, you know, but then I would feel guilty. You know, it was like I, everything was just so heavy. It was a real, like when I'm, okay, taking this podcast on a downturn, mamas, but you know, in the moment, it just felt normal. Now, looking back, being in a totally different place, I can feel how sad and heavy that felt. Like, you know, I really thought I had the most powerful, like, I just thought I could just. I just thought I was in charge of the world and everything was my responsibility and keeping everybody happy all the time was my responsibility. And that is impossible. And it made me feel so bad. And I actually even had this sense as it relates to boundaries that I remember describing to uh, some my mentor that it almost felt like if I went somewhere, who it, it was, if our boundaries are, say, like a bubble, you know, it was almost like anybody who was near me was inside my bubble. So then I felt exhausted all the time. Like, I've got to make sure they're happy. I've got to take care. What are they doing? You know, I got, and it was like, ugh, like it felt like I could never be alone. You know, it, 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 it was just a, it was a sense of, it was boundarylessness, basically. My boundaries were not around me. They were just, you know, so it was a process I had to learn to be able to kind of separate all of that out. And so part of how I did this is I, you know, dig deep into my triggers so I could unroot them. One of them I had was lying. So lying for me was a massive trigger. So I'd been lied to quite extensively in a significant uh, relationship, right? So to me, lying, I mean, it still is. I hate lying. I don't, I don't think it's good. Um, Oh, you know, whatever. I'm not, obviously there are certain kind of like self-defense. Of course, murder is horrible. But if somebody's trying to kill you and your kids and you commit self-defense, that's different. So I'm not talking about that kind of line, you know, whatever. Don't back me in a corner. But on the whole, I, I, I do not like lying. I think you should just tell the truth. And if you do something that's not good, then you're just going to have to pony up the courage to own it up. Like if I do something and it wasn't amazing or I say something, I'm big fat mouth and then I have to go eat crow. I just have to do it. Like, you know. We just have to answer for what we did. That's how I feel. So to me, massive lying was a massive trigger. Well, then when my if when my kids and not all of I mean all of them have said a lot at some point. Of course, they're only human. But as the kids kind of go into this phase where they might begin to lie a little bit, and it triggered me so badly, I handled it in a way that it was like I would get I would fly off the handle and I would, you know, what it what it amounted to is that kids need to kids my kids needed to learn if they how to own up to something but also how to maybe be able to tell the truth 
how like there's just a lot of skills involved in living out your values. That's what I'm trying to say. So if you did something you know wasn't that good and then you're afraid you're going to get caught and then you hide it or you lie, there are some skills involved that can help you actually because no kid likes to lie. It doesn't feel good. So there's some skills involved that'll actually prevent them, right? But because I was so triggered by it, I'd be like, you're a lie. And then it was this big thing. And then I began to think they were all lying to me, whether they weren't or didn't. And it felt like I was like, had them up against a wall and like the inquisition or something like, did you lie to me? And I have so many kids who knows who put the thing somewhere, you know? So for me, I had to work through this trigger of lying. I had to do some work in this till where, you know, because what ultimately what I realized just to give, I guess to just what I realized is that I, because of this significant relationship I had had where I had been lied to, I felt very unsafe. Like my life was in their hands and they were a liar and I couldn't trust them. And so that's a horrible feeling. Well, then I had put that same thing on my kids, except I'm not at the mercy of my kids. I don't need to trust my kids, actually. That's what I realized at a young age. I don't have to trust anybody that I'm not, they're not going to lie to me about a toy and it make me unsafe. It broke that whole thing, I guess what I mean to say. And then now I'm I'm able to actually calm down. And now I can way more easily sense if they're actually lying or not. I can give them a chance. I can not blow up. I can bring them around and I can deal with it. And actually, there is less lying happening because of this. So that was one example. Another example, another trigger I really had was lazy. So, you know, I'm coming from a farm family, just very busy, you know, and I just, you know, my my father was this a, a thing. I won't go into that here, but... For me, I had proof that being lazy was just bad. It was not going to work in life. It's not something that you did. It just ain't how it goes. So, but it meant because I had this issue with laziness or, you know, like, like somebody else's laziness is going to injure me. You know, I had a filter over, you know, I guess my eyes about laziness. So it meant that I would perceive behaviors of my kids were lazy that were not even lazy, like that. They just, it was, that's not what it was. And it would trigger me. Now I wouldn't be like, you're lazy. Like I didn't call, I didn't say that to them, but it was like, okay, well I have to make sure these kids are motivated. I have to get these kids work. I have to get these kids up moving. They're never going to do anything on their own. They're just like, you know, I had this idea and it wasn't true. And I had to work through that on my own. And then now I'm, I don't feel triggered by that at all. And my kids are really, now, I'm not saying they don't want to relax or play. My son with ADHD, it is more of a struggle to get him to do something than the others, but they are not lazy. Like, so that own filter that I had, I perceived them as that. And then it was like, I wanted to treat them as that, even though it wasn't true, because these were my triggers and I had to go in and uproot them. Um, So, you know, and again, I said, I wrote this here in my notes, but I mentioned before, I worried that anything I did, you know, what damaged them. I had actually done a lot of training and some counseling and prayer ministry and different things. And so I feel like the paradigm I had was like, everything I do directly affects my kids, which in a way is true when they live with us and they depend on us. But like, in a sense that they were helpless and fragile, and I had to do everything perfect, or it was going to wreck them for life, right? That is very heavy. Turns out not true. And, um, and or not true in the way I thought it was true. And that that just created a lot of issues for me. So now before I go on, I'm going to tell you next some some rules of life that I had. And and these we all have these are super interesting. But if this type of thing interests you, if you see that you're having a lot of like triggers and hot buttons, and it's affecting your parenting, I've created a group coaching for moms, it's gonna we're going to start after Christmas, it's going to go six months, January to June. 
We're all going to be in a group together and we're going to have one monthly focus. And I'm going to take you through in these six months, basically how to learn how to coach yourself process. I mean, I'm going to coach you, but I'm going to teach you how to coach yourself so that after this period is over, you can continue to have breakthroughs and find breakthroughs on your own um, without a coach, you know, at that point after it's over so that you can get to the bottom of some of this stuff, right? I'm not going to tell you what it's called because it's a bit of a fun name and I'll let it have like its own wow thing after, (laughs) after Christmas. But I'm very excited about this because this is where the true breakthroughs, this is where we're going to do, do the work. So um, one of the things we're going to focus on in this this is interesting. Okay. So we have these rules of life that we learn as a child. Now, some of these rules we like, you know, like, um, like for me, I guess a rule of life, you know, is like the beach is the best place to go. I'm just throwing this out here. This is a rule. I believe this rule is true. I mean, you know, I decided it as a kid and I still like it, but there's some rules of life that we kind of decide that we don't necessarily like, and they turn out to control us. And I started uprooting and realizing I had a bunch of these. So one of these I had was you have to live with things you hate. And I don't know where I got this. I look back, there's quite a few situations, I guess, as a child, or just that sense of powerlessness or helplessness. There's nothing you can do. If you hate it, you just got to live with it. Well, this severely, you can imagine, affected my life because if something happened that I hated, it was like I felt a bit like frozen because, you know. So another one I have that if someone loves you, they're always there. So because of, you know, childhood abandonment, blah, 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 I determined the opposite. If someone loves you, they're always there. Well, this sounds great on the surface, except it meant that if I had to leave the kids anywhere, I was completely showered in guilt. Because this childhood, because as a child, if somebody is physically present, it means they love you. That's what I decided. My dad was not physically present. Ergo, he didn't love me. Or this is my child brain made this up. You know, that wasn't true. But anyway, so if, if I was not physically by my kids, then they probably thought I didn't love them and I was covered in guilt. So this means if I had an appointment, if I had to go to work, if I went and got my nails done, if they stayed with my mother's helper, goodness, you know, heaven forbid I went away for a few days. Like I could still do it and I could tell myself it was okay, but I was like bait, taking a guilt bath because of that rule. Another thought I, another, you know, kind of rule I guess I had was that like others have to be okay so that I'm okay. You know, and so this meant that I was very disempowered, not feeling like I could do anything. It always felt like I was focused on others. Get married. Are you happy? Are you happy? Please. And it was exhausting. I, everybody, are you okay? Are you okay? Please, everybody be okay so I can be okay. You know, as opposed to it being basically completely the opposite. I also had a thought that the kids were just an extension of me. Like this is, I mean, this is tough because this is true. They are like they have, have my DNA, right? But it, I didn't, not in that sense. The sense that I had was just like, I thought they had all my baggage or I thought they had all my experiences. I thought their little unformed brains had all of my info and then were using it to judge everything I did, you know? So it meant that anything they did or it and because or also, but because I thought they were just an extension of me, if they did anything they liked or did or wanted to do that didn't feel familiar to me, I was super triggered. Like, wait, you want to, you want to, uh, I don't know, build models? Like, what? You know, my boys, like this, I, I, I have no box for this. Like I, I, you know, so it was almost like I, f- I felt like they needed to be just like me. Um, and so that caused, that was causing me a lot of angst. I feel like I'm just airing all my, everybody's listening. You gotta be listening to being like, this woman is neurotically crazy. You know what? 
you're probably right. Okay. But I, I ain't so much anymore because I went through all of this. I know we all have different ones, but so what I essentially did in this process, and this was like, you know, a year or two long process, you know, as I learned the skills that I'm going to teach y'all, the, the mamas who sign up for me in the group uh, cohort that we're going to do. When I got triggered, I stopped trying to deal with it on the fly. And I started to dig deeper. Like I found a pattern. I was like, okay, what about this do I like? What do I not like? What is this reminding me of? What am I, what am I thinking is happening here? That's not even happening. You know, my kids, certain behavior or the house is a mess or a family issue or a marriage issue or a life issue. It's like, why is this throwing me for a loop? Why is this one thing making me feel crazy? It's all it's all feels all attached to each other. It feels like I can't ever relax, right? So what ended up happening was over time, dealing with my triggers, digging deeper to figure out where they're coming from, getting breakthroughs on those things. I just began to gradually over time, like become a different person, you know, still my same personality, but I began to just naturally have boundaries. They didn't, I gathered proof in that process that they didn't hurt anybody else and that it was fine. And then by gathering proof of that, I didn't feel as worried when I had to have them. And then I stopped having any issues with having boundary. It was like my triggers led me to deeper issues that needed addressing. And instead of just trying to ignore my triggers so I could get on with it, I used them as kind of like a flashlight on the path to get to somewhere. And every time I got triggered, not every time, well, that's an exaggeration. When I got triggered, you know, if it was something that kind of repeatedly happened, or if it was something that really made me feel upset, I used it as an opportunity to dig deeper. I'd be like, okay, look, this thing keeps happening. It's driving me nuts. I hate that I feel like this. Why do I feel like this? And I would go down until I figured it out. And when I figured it out, it'd be like, poof, like a pin in a balloon, pop. And then I wasn't as triggered anymore, or I felt like, because it's not so much what we do in our mom life habits, it's how we feel about what we're doing, right? So because before I might say the kids are doing something and I didn't think they should, I would stop them, but I would feel all of this guilt and ickiness. And then it would come over on the kids and it would just feel so heavy energy was. And then after I didn't have any of those feelings, so I could just be like, nope. And then that was it. Like everything just felt lighter and freer. The kids didn't feel like I was putting all my well-being on that. Just that make and, and it was like I stopped feeling so heavy about all these normal mom things that I had to do. I became proactive and not reactive. So it meant that like my home was just not a place where tons of things were happening that I hated. Like I just it, it wasn't. The kids weren't doing things all day long that I, I didn't like that weren't good, you know? And so it felt like I became empowered. I had back some of my authority. I gathered proof that it was actually good for the kids and they were fine. I gathered proof that I was not just this horrible mom causing her kids to suffer. And when I worked through why I would have thought that anyway, it just all felt like it, you know, it was burdens released. And so then what I noticed about the kids and our family life as I went through this process is that my kids actually reacted fine to my boundaries. They were literally fine. And so kids just, I mean, even they're littler than us. They literally have to look up to us. What next? You know, they expect us to direct them. And I knew I needed to direct them, but it felt so icky, right? And so 
And this is common. I hear from moms this all the time. It's like they kind of don't want to have to direct their kids until the, until it goes real sideways. And then they have to step in and do it. And then the kids aren't used to it. So then the kids will be very resistant. So then mom feels like she has to, quote, overpower them. And moms hate that, right? So I got to where it just wasn't like that. Like we could just have the home be within my boundaries and not that like everybody just had to do everything I want, but it just my normal, reasonable boundaries. Kids could do many different things within those, you know, so the kids had a lot of choices within a boundary of mine, you know, and they were totally fine. And I began to see even more how me just having, being able to be more nonchalant, just like, it's okay. This is how I, I don't feel heavy about, I'm not heavy about this. It's just, that's not happening. You know, um, you know, when kids ask for things, it's just not going to happen. Like, no, that's not going to happen. Instead of needing to comfort them and say, hmm, like the kid gloves, like they can't cope. It was like, oh no, they're fine. And over time I began to actually see that they were. And I began to see that the more, since I was the one in charge, I'm the one having to make sure everybody's alive, fed, you know, all the, all the things I'm doing, all of that, right? It has to be within my boundaries because I'm the one doing it. You know, it's like if the, it's like if the boss can't swim in, well, that's, this is a bad example. I'm just thinking it's like if you're, yeah, you're expected to do something in an environment that you can't cope in, you know, like, okay, you're a teacher. Now you have to teach outside and you, you're, I don't know, have pale skin. You're just going to get sunburned all day. It's just what's going to happen. So if that's how you are, you're just going to have to go get in the shade. Like it, you just, you can't put everybody else above you when you're the one that's having to do everything. You have to be at least as equal a priority as they are all together and realizing that in a lot of ways, the more you have calm, solid, easy, non-heavy boundaries, the kids do learn more to go with the flow. And then the times they really want something, you're okay with it. You're like, yeah, okay, we can make that work. We can do that. It feels more cooperative. And the kids were benefited. Like I could see that they trusted me because they could come and ask, even if they asked and they kind of knew I was going to say no. And I would say, nope. It was almost like they were comforted that I gave the answer they expected, even if they didn't like it. Right. So because the house had good routines, the kids were feeling loved and supported, and I was able to create a life that didn't involve me being triggered all day long and like erasing myself just to make sure everybody was happy. Over time, it just felt like the home environment became lighter or when a situation happened, you know, because I have five kids, they fight. When a situation happened, we could just deal with that one situation and it not become on and on and on. Things didn't linger and fester. And I believe this is something that can happen for all of us. It's just a process of becoming empowered, getting, you know, letting your triggers and your emotions actually guide you to something else you're thinking underneath that's affecting all of that and kind of unearthing it a little bit so that you can live without all of those triggers. So if this is something that interests you, um, definitely stick around. You'll, I'll drop you an email. Um, you can get on my email list. And so I'll drop you an email after Christmas and you can join. And if not, even if you don't, I just encourage you to be just thinking if, if you're feeling triggered, you're feeling upset, stick with it. Let it keep going down the path because you don't have to just be, you know, triggered, upset and feel heavy all the way through until your kids go. It doesn't, yes, some things get easier as the kids get older, but it, in some ways it gets more intense. So if you're just kind of hanging on for dear life in survival mode and you're like, oh, it's fine. In a couple of years, it'll be easier. 
honestly, that may not be the case. In some ways it will, but in other ways it'll be harder. And the needs of kids as they get older are different in a way that are more triggering than just the needs of little ones who are kind of like throwing down or you're exhausted. So I just want to leave you with some hope that if any of the the my neurotic examples resonate with you, there truly is, there truly is hope. Um, and I will talk to you soon, Mama. As always, thanks so much for listening to this podcast. You can find me on my website, A Mother Far From Home, and on YouTube under the same name. If you like this podcast, I'd love it if you could write a five-star review, and it'll help all the algorithms to get it in front of other moms who benefit from this encouragement. Until next time, keep it real out there, mama.